to down to down to yeah miffed and peeved miffed and peeved that's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad don't be miffed and peeved miffed don't be miffed and peeved it's a real world it's a real it's a real it's a real I don't use it but it's not in your vocab down to down yes this is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck, for part of DailyThunder.com. We're also featured on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. Uh, today, our show is sponsored by Grady Carter of Metro Brokers of Oklahoma. You can go to Grady now and get ready to sell your home in 2018. Or if you're looking to buy a home and you've already sold your home, he is a guy to go to because he... Is is a GRI designee, and he knows the Oklahoma City market very well. So please contact him, homeboyok.com, homeboyok on any of your social media platforms. Grady is the man, and he wants to be your homeboy. Today I've got my guy, Michele Barra, on the line. Michele, how's it going? It's going great. We had Christmas. We had an amazing uh, day of basketball, so it's going great. (laughs) <laughs> it was great and great in particular because the thunder won 107 to 112 yesterday uh a really great game for the thunder five game win streak for them they've won 11 out of 14 uh this this team is starting to look like a good basketball team they had won some games early on you were like oh man like they they really have a lot to work on uh but last night you're like oh, okay like they're really figuring this out and they're really finding the right roles for guys like Mello uh, and Paul George and Russ. And maybe the biggest development is that they are actually making the good shots that we've been talking about for the past three weeks. And I, it was getting really annoying having to say they're generating good shots, but missing them. But now they're generating good shots and they're making them. Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. Plus, and uh, I have some numbers here that may help, um, they are really changing the way they're using um, their possession on offense. I mean, if you look at the initial um, 10 games, 15 games, they were relying a lot on post-ups, on isolations. Right now, the first three um, sets, let's say the situations they are in, in terms of volume, are spot up the first, pick and roll ball ender the second and transition um because um i mean in 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 the beginning of the of their play uh they had a lot of um iso for mellow and post up for mellow at the beginning of the possession right now it seems that the trending is we are going away from that and we are somehow um, relying more on the most efficient plays, which are, again, transition, uh, pick and roll, and uh, spot-up shooting. Yeah, I mean, the the difference in the past few games, with Mello in particular, are pretty drastic. Uh, he's, you know, setting screens and popping out for not always threes, but at least good open shots. 
I think I remember him, and he may probably did this more than more than once. But I just remember him jab stepping and taking a shot, you know, mid range shot, just once last night. And if he can mm-hmm. do that once or twice in a game, like that's not detrimental to the Thunder. Um, but if he can be a spacer and a guy that's going to take open, even if it's long twos, like Melo can make those shots, and they're not awful if you have a guy that's like Carmelo Anthony that can make them open. So I, I've i been just really impressed with him and his ability to adapt. Uh, a lot of people didn't think it could happen, and you know he's going to revert back. He's going to have some bad games, and maybe it's against a you know they play the Mavs later on this week. Maybe it's against them where he reverts back to it. I don't think it's he's going to be perfect from here on out. But if he continues to take good shots, then he is a very capable offensive player uh, and allows the Thunder to keep their five best guys on the court, which I think is the the crux of that Carmelo Anthony trade. You know, we watched Ennis Canner, you know, play a really good game for New York yesterday. Um Mm-hmm. And you kind of think like, oh man, that would be really nice to have a guy like that coming off the bench, and you know, people kind of lament having Melo on this team. But Melo plays like that, or he plays like he did against the Jazz, or really any game in this past like five games, then you would much rather have Melo um, as a three point shooter, as a guy that can make plays. Uh, he's been great, and he's been encouraging the pass if you told somebody yes that the guy that's encouraging the next pass is carmelo anthony i think a lot of people would say you're crazy but he has been encouraging the extra pass and um he's he's just been incredible that game against the jazz with the thunder just blew the doors off them at home um earlier uh last week it was mellow that was telling russ to keep moving the ball and if they can kind of develop this you know quasi-culture. I don't think they're going to ever be a team that just fizzes the ball around the perimeter, but if they can at least have the willingness and the knowledge that it will help, then I I think that this team is going to be really good offensively come playoff time. And they still have a ton of time left you know, to get it together. There are two games out of the four seed right now. They hold the five seed alone right now. Uh, I think they're a half a game ahead of Denver. Uh, but this team feels like they're turning a corner and that they could go on a run here. They've got some pretty good tests this week on you know that run. I don't expect them to win every game they play this week, but if they just continue to play the way they do, uh, they are probably going to wind up being, they could end up you know being the four seed and being in a really good spot, you know, in April. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the key, the key again, is uh, um, what they are going to to go to when things are not going their way. And I think that if you if you remember, like the first few few weeks, as soon as the the game started to go downhill, they were immediately going to pull up game and to yeah. these sort of things. Russ was taking control, or Melo was taking too many uh, jab step, jab step shot. Right now, they are doing different things. I mean, they went down by five against, uh, um, if I remember well, uh, yesterday against the Rockets, where like Houston started to to to, um, to do the one pass triple uh, that works well for them, mm-hmm. uh, and they drained like a lot of them. And I mean, they 
calmly went to what, the, what was working. I mean, um, some penetrations, some ball movement, a lot of Steven Adams uh, in the high post, some cuts. I mean, in this stretch, and it's crazy to think, OKC is generating 134 points on 77 field goal attempt in cut situations. Wow. That is incredible. It's almost two points. It's almost they score every time. <laughs> like literally every time. And uh, their transition, which was so bad at the beginning of the season, because I mean, for some reason, right now they generated 233 points in 160 attempts. So 64, 65% of real uh, percentage. So some, like, we said that at the beginning of the of the year, some of it will revert back to normal. I mean, their transition uh, offense was abysmal at the beginning of, of, of the year. Now it's one of the best of the league. So some was, again, uh, reverting to, to mean. Some, some is really taking different choices on offense, uh, rely on different stuff, finding cuts, finding Robertson for the um, dunker spot cut, um, trust even uh, with... Um, with the shot creation. I mean, I remember us talking about, let's hope that Steven can make the, the pass uh, after the pick and roll. Yeah. Uh, we discussed it many times. And now it is showing up. And what you can get from that is open freeze in the corner, which is the most valuable shot in the game. So I think that OKC really uh, turned the corner in terms of um, how they play the game. And the results are there. I mean, it's that simple. If you turn down, uh, maybe not all, all the time, but a, a good amount of them, a bad shot to create a good one, <laughs> things starting to go your way. And then you can take like as many, not as many, but a, a good chunk of mid-range uh, shots because they are open, because the defense will try to take out different stuff. And you'll be open for a 20-footer, 18-footer, and you will drain it because you are Carmelo Anthony. I think one of the biggest developments for me is the way that Dre is playing offensively. And when you hear that sentence initially, some people are like, what is he talking about? Uh, You know, he's not really doing all that much. And to me, maybe that's part of it. Uh, he is playing the dunker spot. When he does get the ball in the perimeter, I've noticed that he he's making a really quick decision with it. Whether it's get the ball back to the guy who passed it to me quickly. Whether it's find an open guy quickly. Because Dre's a pretty good passer. He had five assists last night. Yeah. Um, he's got pretty good vision whenever he's confident and he knows what he's doing. And I just feel like he has that these past few games. Like he really understands what his role is on offense. Uh, he didn't take any threes. I was going to look and see, look at his game logs and see when was the last time he took, you know, multiple threes, but he's not taking threes. He's not hanging out on the perimeter. I just don't feel like he killed the offense. And I don't, I think that this will be something that people won't notice for a while. And when I say people, I mean like national people, um, about Robertson, they're going to continue to go on what they know about him is that he, you know, kills the offense, that he's, you know, sits on the perimeter and kills one side of the floor. But he hasn't been doing that. I feel like they've been putting him in a really good spot uh, to where he can be successful, whether that be passing or getting easy looks at the rim. Uh, I've been, I've just been impressed with him. He even had a drive and kick out to the perimeter last night where he did it quickly. Because uh, I can just, I mean, I have flashbulb memories of him just standing out there on the perimeter 
waiting for somebody to move or waiting to figure out what he should do. And I just haven't really seen that from him in the past few games, which I think uh, it's just really, it's impressive for him. And I know that he had the free throw thing where he, you know, banked one in, which was (laughs) funny. Um, And then he airballed the the next one and he made another and missed another. Uh, You know, that's like, actually like, that's what we need you to do, Andre, in those moments. Like just make one of two. That's great. Yeah. We'll we'll take that. We'll take the math on those. But um, his offensive game, I feel like has taken a step forward. And as a defender last night, he was just spectacular. I mean, he was nonsense. I mean, like Harden, I mean, I, I don't have good numbers here because um, somehow like the tracking of the defender is not as good. Um, so I don't have a reliable number to say how many shots uh, James Harden missed uh, with Robertson guarding him. Mm-hmm. But to me, the point is not that one. The point is Harden took 18 shots in a game that was on the line. He was able to get the ball up. 18 times. And granted, he had like a few uh, triple the rim, I think five uh, in total, um, five from two point and one from three point. Uh, but the point is, he handled just 20 to 25 shooting possession in a game, in a Christmas game, where like the team needed him to, to score and he didn't because Andre take out shots from him. This is a key a thing that people sometimes uh, forgets. I remember recently a play where Robertson um, denied their, uh, the first um, pass from Gordon to Arden. Then he turned to follow Arden to a cut, and in the same time he deflected the ball with with the with the half hands. He turned around and bullet passed to Russ for an open open dunk. That was probably the best play of the game and it was a defensive play by Andrew Robertson who made like this crazy thing that I don't know how it's possible I mean it was incredible it was. incredible and yeah. that, that and play point, yeah. there's one more there's one more play I think might have been the play of the game Russ yeah, yeah, is yeah. skying for that steal in mid oh, yeah. on that lob on Capella and take oh, it yeah. coast to coast oh my gosh there were some but spectacular that, plays last night That that is not human to me, I mean, how 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 he can jump as high, uh, being like six three, uh, it's it's just really nonsensical. And to be honest, I mean, probably James Harden had like the best pass of the game and probably of the season. <laughs> I mean, when he when he found like it was like the Milos pass in the Olympic Games, mm-hmm. who just like threw the ball behind his. His, like his head basically to, to an open wide open uh, Gordon that was like it was just nonsense I mean we, we saw like many many good plays and to your point I mean um, about Robertson taking less trees in the last 13 games or 14 games um, uh, from de- December the 1st where this streak of OKC playing good basketball started he took five three-pointers and some of those, I think, were like at least one or two were uh, at the end of the uh, of halves or quarters. So he's really going away uh, from uh, from bad three pointers. And yes, he's standing um, less. I mean, you can see like a few possessions here and there where he's not involved. But come on, I mean, you are guarding James Harden. You you can get to rest one possession on offense, like. like it's it's the number of those possessions that is drastically decreasing over the last month. Yeah, he's so in the past twelve games he's taken two. 
three. Or, yeah. No, he's taken three threes. And the last time that he took more than one three in a game was December 1st against Minnesota. Yeah, so you have the five. Yeah. <laughs> he... I just feel like he has been really impressive and he's had, he's always going to have some moments where you're like, Oh my goodness. Like I can't believe he missed that. Or I can't believe that he's at the free throw line again. Or, but I mean, he's, he had a great game against Houston, eight points, two blocks, four steals, five assists, four rebounds. Like that's a great stat line. Um, and, and he did make one of the plays of the game too. He's been impressive. He deserves a lot of praise. A lot of people love to kill his contract. A lot of people love to talk about how they can do what he does because he can't shoot the ball. But the truth is, like, he is a special defender. And if they basically play him as a big moving forward, which is something that I think we've clamored for for years, and then you're talking about a really, really helpful player. I think he was a game-high plus 14 last night. Mm -hmm. And, And there's no question that he was one of the more important guys out there. Uh, and if they do somehow get Houston in a second round series, uh, Dre is going to play a lot. He's going to—they're probably going to mirror his minutes with Harden's, and he's going to be very, very important to them. Yeah, I mean, you may miss a few regular season games, maybe five to ten regular season game because you don't have like a reliable two-way player that plays like okay defense and then. He's something on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw it like last night clearly. I mean, Joshua is, is a guy. It's definitely a guy. Mm-hmm. But if you notice, uh, and like Fred Katz told me like this, this a lot of times, I mean, the, dif- the, the, the difference uh, between the difference in, the, in defensive um, efficiency uh, between Eustace and Robertson is huge. Mm-hmm. And you saw it last night on this play. It was, it, it was okay defensively, but it was not as good as Andre. Andre really changed the game. And Eustace was guarded from three. So, I mean, y- you have it right there. Andre, when he plays like that, and he's not a killer on offense, he's a special player. His his value is way more than the ten millions that, that they gave it to you if he can play like that coming playoffs time. And uh, I have to 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 mention this tweet. A guy named Matt Leach, uh, Leachman one on Twitter, told me why not bank every free throw. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that, that may be <laughs> that may be a thing. I mean, just and and another guy replied with, "Well, if he goes short on a bank shot, he will swish it." So it's a great idea. Just bank it every time, and if you go short, instead of hairballing that, you will swish it. It's 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 a hell of a suggestion. I, I think it's I think we, we found the key. Yeah. Instead of doing your high arcing shot, that I mean, there's just no telling where it's going to go. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Exactly. Bank that thing. This is really interesting. In the last twelve games, he has taken forty four shot or forty five shots. Guess how many mm-hmm. of those are in the restricted area? Um, for, oh, let's say let's take out the five trees. Uh, and all the all the other ones are close to their restricted areas. So, forty one out of forty five uh, shots because he uh, this is not including the Minnesota game uh, oh, okay. where he took two. Um, he has taken forty one out of forty five shots in the restricted area, which I just mm-hmm. think is incredible. And he's making a lot of them. 
I mean, he's two point percentage is sixty five or yeah. close to that. So yeah, sixty one percent on those shots. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, it's it's incredible. He's been only and he's only been blocked three times on those forty one attempts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he if he's like that on offense, I have no problem playing him twenty five minutes. The issue, and we come back to that every time, is what if he has uh, not, no one to guard on the other team? Then his value may may be less than this one, and it's up to the coaching staff to uh, to twinker uh, this to give him minutes because you want to keep him confident and ready, but you also want to acknowledge that giving. Um, giving time to Eustace and Abrinas may help you come in playoff time as well because you can build up confidence uh, with them when there's no threat uh, on the other side of the floor. Yeah, yeah, no question. He's he, he's very valuable. And I think the times that people, and including people like, say, myself, that I'm most frustrated with Dre is when they play bad teams. And they, t- mm-hmm. they play a team that doesn't have like an offensive creator, like a James Harden, where his role is just so diminished. Like he's still valuable as a defender, but like you'd rather have a guy that, you know, was even a minus on defense and a plus on offense against a lot of those teams. I think those are the guys that work against most teams. But when it comes down to it, like the teams that you want to beat, the San Antonio's, the Golden States, the Houston's, uh, you would rather have Robertson than not, but maybe most of the regular season games because you don't play a lot of elite guys like that. Uh, mm-hmm. You'd rather have Abrinas out there, or you'd even rather have Houston out there. Like you, like you said, like Houston. I mean, he's a guy, but he's also a guy that can't defend James Harden. <laughs> yeah, and, and just it, it's just not a good idea to even try it. Um, and so that's what that's what kind of makes it frustrating that Mike D'Antoni is going to be the coach that goes to the hack of Dre because um, they're going to have to figure out what to do whenever he has to sit because I do think that they should sit him uh, during those times and Houston did okay but not great um, I don't know if they have any other options and that's where they may you know look in the trade market to find another guy that can come in and defend a guy like that and hit free throws so um it's just interesting. It's just a it's a conundrum. It's a continual conundrum that is Andre Robertson. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not that afraid on the Akadre coming playoffs time. Yeah. Um, at least not early, because in some some somehow yes, you 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 take out Dre from the floor, but if you want to do it intentionally, and if you noticed, I mean, Mike D'Antoni started to do that when OKC was already in the bonus. Because, I mean, having Russ, George, and Melo and having a bonus means that you score basically every possession because Russ is very good in uh, in in doing that is that as soon as the team is close to the bonus, he goes downhill immediately. And... I mean, you don't want to mess with that early, but yes, if you if you if you are in the bonus, then sure, you you take your chances there. And I think that Paul George did a reasonable uh, work on Harden, especially late in the game, uh, even if he had fouls. So that is one thing that they can try. The issue is um, when Chris Paul is back, this team has two monsters uh, handling the balls, and so right. Russ has to do a lot of work. And I think that 
he can um, at, at least when he's uh, when he guards like all stars or level players he can he can be engaged and so if he if Robertson is not going to to be on the floor he has to, to take a step forward and I think that yesterday um, he played a reasonable um, game on defense uh, he had some lapses um, including the wide open tree he left uh, uh, to the best shooter in the game probably one of the best in Eric Gordon but apart from that he was okay to good yesterday and that was very important yes yeah that is important uh something on the free throws for oklahoma city in the last 12 games they're seventh in total attempts on the season Mm -hmm. which i think is close to where they need to be where at the beginning of the season they just weren't attempting hardly any um on the season let's see where they're at they're 12th on the season in free throw mm-hmm. attempts with teams like the Clippers and Lakers above them, which just shouldn't be. Um, no, we shouldn't. So it's good It's good to see them starting to get to the free throw line, Russ in particular, and making them. Uh, it's just a huge development for this team. And you know the difference between like a superstar and like a really good player slash all-star, I feel like is the ability to get to the free throw line and Paul George and Russ figuring out how to do that is huge. And I feel like that's like Victor Lodipo, a part of his evolution is certainly his three point shooting, but getting to the free throw line because you have to find ways to generate points whenever your shot isn't falling. And that's what makes James Harden really special. And you got to see that on full display last night. Uh, He ended up with 14 free throws. You know, yes. if you can generate those kind of numbers, like you're in really you're you're in really good shape. Uh, and the Thunder last night they were 78 percent from the free throw line, which uh, is a lot better than what they had been doing, where they're missing half their foul shots. And so if the Thunder mm-hmm. can continue to generate good free throws, um, generate more threes, I felt like they could have and should have taken more threes last night. And Billy talked about that post game. A little mm-hmm. bit how they need to find more opportunities and recognize opportunities to take threes. Uh, I think they they need to. And what's kind of interesting is that Russ only took one three last night, um, and he's looking for others to take them. Uh, Abrinas didn't play really last night. He played three minutes, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say mm-hmm. that he really played last night. No. Um, so that's a guy. I who, fully expect that to happen. I mean, it was yeah, almost. You can bet on that. I mean, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, because he can't guard Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon is like a beast um, mm-hmm. of a two guard, and then he's not going to guard James Harden, and he can't even guard really Ariza. It's like where there's just not anywhere to put him, and so th- that's one game where I'm like, okay, like I understand it, and I'm okay with it. Where you basically let's let you know. Russ, George, and Mello score our points. We know that Adams is going to get points too. But other than that, we're going to be a great defensive team. And we're going to play Houston. We're going to play Grant. We're going to play Patterson and Ray Felton. And I think it's a good strategy. And, it, and obviously it worked last night. And I, I like it. I just like you know having that identity as a defensive team that has these three elite scores that you can't stop. Uh, I think I think it wor- I think it works and I think it'll work against good teams. Um, and when they can find a guy to hide Abrinas on, uh, that's all, like, kind of the icing on the cake. 
yeah, I mean, you, you can argue that you can slide him on Briante Weber or uh, if he were there, um, a guy like um, Bamute because yeah. it's not really a post threat. But I mean, it's fine to have your ninth slash 10 guy who plays and not heavy minutes in a playoff game because this was by all means uh, an anticipation of what we, we, we can see uh, coming April or May because I mean both coaches went like 8 to 9 deep I mean Mike D'Antoni had 8 players so he just played all of them um, and play, he played like Ariza 43 minutes as you as you mentioned before when, when we were discussing offline so I mean he this was a, a good game to see how Billy can handle rotations coming playoff time and I think we saw like good things um, I, I, would, I mean I will play probably Patterson a bit more mm-hmm. uh, but Grant yesterday had it and and when I mean he he was good yesterday and to, by all means Jeremy Grant so yeah. if he plays like that I'm okay um, playing him this heavy minutes like 20 minutes and then you, you you really play George Adams and Westbrook more than 35 and, and that's your rotation basically yeah yeah and you know, this team looked like they're the third best defense in the NBA they look like it last night like they were very cohesive and this is where <clears throat> i think it's easy for people to criticize donovan with the offensive stuff because it's just so apparent uh when they're missing shots and they're not taking good shots and iso blah 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 but you get to this point in the season and you have the third best defense and they're so close to the celtics and even the warriors <laughs> Um, that it's going to fluctuate some where they could be the best defense at some point. I think I think they're going to stay in the top five. Um, mm-hmm. To do that, it takes a lot of coaching. And to get this particular team to defend like that, where you have, I mean, some major holes in that starting lineup in Russ and Carmelo, uh, to have, you know, Melo as, a, as your power forward, who's really not a great defender anymore, or maybe he never really was. Um <laughs> But to have those two and to still have a top three defense is pretty incredible. And I think Billy and his coaching staff don't get to take the credit. They don't take the credit for that um, like they should. And the fans don't certainly don't give them the credit for that. Um, but that's coaching. And that's him. I mean, Billy definitely values defense over offense. And he's kind of shown it with this team this season. And that this team has got off to a really good start defensively. And it, whenever they do start hitting shots, that makes them a great team. And Billy deserves a lot of credit. Oh, there's I haven't heard the fire Billy Donovan crowd in a while, um, mm-hmm. and it's because they're winning. But listen, yeah. like he's he's a good NBA coach. He's maybe not he's not Popovich. I don't he's not Stevens, but he's a good NBA coach. Doesn't deserve to be fired, and has really done a good job with this team. Yeah, and also I mean I. Listen, I mean, Donovan is head coach of a very difficult team coach um, since 2015-2016. It's his third season. I mean, we are comparing him with veteran coaches that probably, I mean, Pop risked his coaching job uh, in his first few seasons in San Antonio. At least in the first one, I'm sure of that. Um, I was too young to, uh, to, to, to see him in person, but um, <clears throat> I mean... 
and like coaches like you can argue that Kerr is a special guy yes but how this can uh, can be held against Donovan I don't know um, I mean you have a great coach there and sometimes it's weird to see reaction from national media um, this I was watching Twitter yesterday night and I saw a tweet by Nate Duncan that says uh, oh very good um, offense by OKC, by OKC you don't expect that from Donovan why? I mean, you, you, I mean, you're not paying attention. I mean, OKC is doing a lot of stuff offensively. It's just that players sometimes don't use those. Yes, you. If you're a great coach, you make your players doing the right stuff every time. Uh, but these, the, the coaches that um, that actually succeed in doing that are very few. For example, if you see, like, I mean, yesterday. Yeah, I watched the the game against uh, between um sorry Boston and Washington. Yeah, if you see like the last five minutes of the game, you will think that Brad Stevens is probably the worst coach in the in the NBA. <laughs> no, but really? Yeah, and it's not the first time. I saw another game by Boston uh, this week. I don't remember which one, in in which I thought, wow, if that was Billy, I mean, they will kill him, mm-hmm. kill him, full stop. So. It's it's a lot of narrative. It's a lot of um, not watching this team every night as we do. And part is is fair because, I mean, the, the first few games, Billy, I mean, the team was not doing what Billy said. And that's on the, on the coaching staff, for sure. But sometimes things take maybe 20 games, maybe 25 games. Bobby Marks said it at the beginning of the season. Let's roll back until Christmas and then we decide and guess what on Christmas they look like team maybe not the best team but a team that that has it that can bring it when needed and this is these two things are very important for the goal that OKC has which is being a threat in the West coming April yes without a doubt and I think that it would serve Thunder fans right to watch a few other non-Thunder games um, because I think that it will give you a perspective because I think you just see the thunder every night and you see it's easy to see their deficiencies and it's easy to see where they screw up and it's easy to think that, Oh my goodness, like, you know, this dude who, whoever it is, you know, Tyreek Evans or whoever's going off against the thunder. Well, they don't do this every night. These other teams must be defending him really well. And the thunder must be just sucking at defending this guy or they must just, you know, whatever. Like, go watch another NBA defense, like, for a night. Like, just take take a night off from the Thunder and go watch another team. Because you're going to see, oh, well, every team, like, has holes in their defense. And every team, you know, lets, another, let, lets somebody go off. And, you know, it's just, like, that's NBA ball. Like, you're talking about the best 400 guys at this craft, you know, minus, you know, great players in Europe, that are, some that are in college, you know, but you have, for the most part, the best players in the world at this particular craft. Like these, some of these dudes are going to go. Random dudes are going to go off because they're one of the best four hundred guys at it. You know, it's just. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be good for Thunder fans to get some perspective on this, on this team, and on the NBA in general, um, because it, sometimes you do just get kind of sucked into you know what the Thunder are doing and only what they're doing. And, you know, feel like they can't do this and Donovan can't do that. 
Uh, but what the truth is that like it's really hard to stop NBA scores, and it's really hard to keep you know a good offense the entire game. And you're right, like the Celtics didn't do that yesterday, and you know a team like the Wizards, who are a pretty good team, uh, were able to take it to the Celtics. Who, and I heard I can't remember, I think Jackie McMullen said this the other day that she thought that the Celtics have been playing over their heads all season, and that they're finally starting to come down. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting because I've watched them some, um, but I thought that was an interesting take that I hadn't heard. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it's, it'd be good for OKC fans to get a little bit of perspective. Yeah. And if you want to have a perspective on the thunder uh, up to this day, I mean, uh, if you ask like probably the, the like 30 coaches in the NBA, they will tell you that the, the most important thing is generating a lot of spot-up situations. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you don't have the numbers um, like I do here, um, maybe you do because, I mean, you follow this stuff, but the regular the regular fan, I mean, OKC, most used um, play type is pick and roll lender, and five possession below that is spot-up. They they are just poor in in the in, in the results, but they are getting the looks that they want. They have like eighteen percent of their offense is spot up situations. They can get more of that, sure. But the point is, if you take twenty uh, percent of your possession in a game in spot up situations, sooner or later these guys will hit those and. And when happens, like against Utah, you say, oh, this team is great. For sure. I mean, it's just making some of the shots. Part of our construction, where you don't have great shooters, and so even if you generate spot-up situations, they don't end up uh, particularly well. But part of part of that is just they they haven't shot the ball, particu- the ball particularly well. And this will correct itself. So... Uh, I, I rushed into judgment myself, uh, having all this data. But in the end, I mean, we we probably we really rushed it too much uh, because this team was playing uh, since like probably the last week of November the way they should, and they just weren't able to hit shots. So again, like the. I'm happy that the Thunder went in this hot streak because it helps us and probably also national media realize that sometimes it's just missing some shots and that all the material was there and is there. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I want to talk about something good before we get into some general stats about the Thunder and preview the week that is to come. And the good thing is Andy's frozen custard. So right now, go to Andy's. Get yourself uh, an eggnog shake. They call it an Andy nog shake. Uh, so delicious. You can get the apple pie concrete. It's just a real slice of apple pie mixed in there with their vanilla frozen custard. Just unbelievable. You get the crust and everything. It's so good. Uh, and if you don't like it all mixed up, you can just get the piece of apple pie with some of their frozen custard on top. It's delicious. And my favorite holiday concrete that you can get is the candy cane concrete so you can get chocolate or vanilla uh it's just so good and so good because their con or their concretes their custard is made every hour on the hour fresh and so you can go in today and you can watch it being made through the window it's absolutely delicious go to andy's today locations in okc edmund 
They're all over Missouri. They're all over Dallas. So if you live in a market that has Andy's frozen custard, please go get them for two reasons. One, because it's just unbelievable. And two, that you can support the people that support Down to Dunk. So please go eat Andy's frozen custard. Let's talk some general uh, stats. Or do you have something to I'm say? Ju- I'm, just, I'm just staring at this Rico Suave Jackhammer, oh, yeah. which is vanilla chocolate. I mean, uh, that's that's too much for me. I just had lunch, as always, and now I, I'll go back to the fridge and eat something because this will this looks like incredible. <laughs> it seriously is. It's unbelievable. I was, so, I was just so excited when Andy's agreed to become a sponsor of our podcast because... Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally so so good. I would even I would talk about them even without <laughs> being a supporter of our show. I can get why. Yes. Uh, so the Thunder. I mentioned the third in defensive rating, offensive rating for the season. They're 18th at a 104. So they're slowly moving up the offensive rankings. Um, in the past 10 games, their offensive rating, um, they're ninth at a 108.6 in the last 10 games. In the last five games, which is their win streak, do you know where they rank? I know, because James Henderson on Twitter uh, pointed that out to me. Okay. Uh, they are okay. first. They are number, they are one. Fir- number yeah. one offense in the league in the past five games for all NBA teams at a 115. So they're ahead of the Rockets that are, that are at a 114.6. Um, Timberwolves, Cavs, Pacers, Toronto, like they're they're the number one offense, which is just incredibly interesting. And it's not because they've just been shooting better than everybody, um, because they're fourth in true shooting percentage, and they are mm-hmm. uh, effective field goal percentage. They're second, so they have been shooting really well. But they're just generating good offense, and they're finally yes. having some cohesion. Uh, I don't think they're going to end up being even in the top five, maybe not even in the top ten by season's end. But if they can be like the 12th best offense and the third or second or first best defense, then you're talking about a team that has a real chance to make a conference finals run and really push Golden State. I think that if the, this team got an opportunity, I think they could push Golden State. I, don't, I wouldn't pick them to win, but I think that they could win a game or two um, and at least make them sweat a little bit, uh, which I think is all you can really ask for from this team. So they're really starting to show their capabilities. I think people, the national media is probably going to continue to doubt this team, which is fine. Like, let this team hang under the radar for a little bit nationally because I do think come playoff time, uh, they'll be like a mid to lower seed and nobody's going to want to play them. I really believe that. I think this team is built for playoff basketball because when the game slows down, they have three guys they can go to and their defense is going to be phenomenal. Like, it's going to, like, it looked really good last night. Come playoff time, it's going to be even better because they're going to have more practice that they're switching and their communication. Uh, I feel like they're going to go into the playoffs being maybe the best defense in the NBA. And then even if they're in the middle of the pack offensively, great. Because when the game slows down, all these things that people want the Thunder to do wouldn't work anyways. And so they've got guys that can make shots and get shots and they've got some good sets that they run. And I, I just have, I have a lot of confidence in this team. Yeah, and some something that we didn't discuss yet is part of the reason why they are top in the league in offensive rating, and it is they have 27.2 offensive rebound 
percentage, which is absolutely incredible. Um, another team that that has it like that eye is Toronto, uh, which is which has been great in the last five games. So it is very interesting to match uh, to to have them coming to OKC next week. Um, but I mean, Stephen Adams yesterday basically get all the uh, it, it it seems like like he gets all the rebounds mm-hmm. on offensive end like he's playing out of his mind on offense yeah. to me and that shows shows up in the in, in in the metrics but i think is like just his mere presence there is a threat uh, for the other teams that like basically collide on the offensive glass on the defensive glass uh, and they cannot like start the, the, the offense right away. And so I think that Steven Adams' season is, I mean, I, I talk about it all the time, but I, every game that I saw him play, I see something different and I see something improving. He's so good. Um, and again, having having that uh, threat offensively um, in pick and rolls and in, in, in offensive rebounds is incredible for a team that has already three all-stars. Yeah, he's his floater game is like feels like it's automatic at this point. Yeah. Out to like seven or eight feet. Like he is, he's just spectacular. Like he's got great touch. And we talked about this with Jay last week. I, I think he's going to have a jumper at some point in his career. I don't know when it is. I think that he's too smart for his own good in a lot of ways. Um, to, you know, have to, to take that. I think if he, <clears throat> maybe if he played for, excuse me, a team like the Rockets, like he may be taking corner threes by now already um, because I do think that he's got a good jump shot. But I think that he, his offensive improvement, his willingness to take those floaters, um, like it's just so important to this team. And I feel like they can go to him uh, more. And he gets a lot of his shots. Like I think he took nine shots last night, but he had seven offensive rebounds. He had 10 total rebounds. He had seven offensive That's crazy. It is it is crazy, and some of it is that he's clearing out guys so that Russ or Paul George or Melo can get the rebound and bring it up the court um, to get the offensive set going. Um, his unselfishness is is really key to this team because I think that they need a guy that can. And he and Andre against elite teams are kind of your perfect glue guys. One, they're both elite defenders, uh, and they're both pretty good passers. And I just think that they really do help this team be more cohesive on the defensive end. And then offensively, if Robertson can keep doing what he's doing uh, and Adams can clean up and be in the dunker spot and be a guy that you can throw to who's going to hit that floater, like you're, you're talking about a pretty unstoppable team. Yeah, can I mention here uh, a tweet that the friend of the pod, Sam Vecini, made last night about yeah. Adams? Yeah. Steven Adams continually improving his touch, both as a passer and scorer, is impressive development. That area from 4 to 14 feet is so tough to navigate for bigs due to coordination issues. But he's got it down and he opens it up the floor so much for OKC. I think that this is the best way to describe the Adams floater uh, game. This is so important to have because, I mean, the defense has to commit. The bigs has to 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 go uh, at least a bit up uh, to contest it, and as soon as he does, or as soon as the outside defender move towards him, it is either a floater or a bullet pass to the corner. And having 
a guy that does, doesn't ask for possession, but as soon as he has it, he uses it in the best way possible. It's incredibly valuable, as you said. Yes, without a doubt. And he still has more offensive rebounds than he does defensive rebounds, if you're keeping track. Yeah. 147 <laughs> offensive rebounds to 112 defensive rebounds. It's just insane. Um, some of it's because, like I said, he's strangely unselfish for an NBA player um, on the defensive glass. Um, but still, to be doing what he's doing on the boards uh, allows this team to kind of have this dual identity where they offensive rebound and have a good transition defense, which is nearly impossible for most teams. Um, but mm-hmm. the Thunder have a pretty unique, you know, pretty unique personnel. Uh, you know, some people have called for like, you know, trade Steven Adams or blah, blah, blah. Go get yourself another somebody. Uh, the Thunder aren't that without him. And to go find another guy that can do that, I just don't know that that guy exists. Um, so it's just, he, he's just so impressive. And I just, you're, you're right. His, his ability to improve on the offensive end while staying a great defender, uh, he, he's just incredibly important to what the Thunder do on both ends, even if it doesn't show up in the stat sheet every night. Yeah, and, uh, and also, I mean, the, the offensive rebounds um, correlation with defense is someone that Billy's believing. So this is something his. This is only his. And teams are copying that uh, from him. And I think... That speaks how intelligent and good he is as a coach. Yes, maybe the offense hasn't looked um, incredibly good so far, but I mean, you have a coach that is taking a, a small revolution to the NBA game uh, by going against uh, someone like Popovich who believes the opposite, which is if you have if you are an offensive rebound team, you cannot have a good defense, or at least he f- basically don't try on the offensive glass and goes full um, transition defense immediately because he probably thinks that there is correlations. And we saw that that is not the case if you have some uh, the right personnel. Without a doubt. It's... This seems so interesting. Like It's been such a weird season. Like it, and I feel like we're finally at the point where we thought we would be uh, a lot of this season. And it's just taken time. And it's taken evolution. And a lot of people just assume that when you plug these superstars in that it's just NBA 2K and you kind of simulate through the season. Uh, but you just forget these are people. These are like human beings that have habits, that have tendencies, um, that have played a certain way their whole career. And then once you and you bring all these guys together, like it takes time. And to be able to be this cohesive defensively, you know, in December um, and it, the offense has been incredibly frustrating, you know, before these past five games, it's been incredibly frustrating because they've been doing things that seem very obvious that they're obvious to correct, I guess. Uh, and they're starting to like do away with some of that stuff. And, you know, it just takes, it takes time. Like we all mm-hmm. have our habits. We all have our, the things in our life that like, man, like, why do I do that? Like, why do I, why do I say that? Like, why do I do these things? It's kind of the same thing with like Mello and Russ and Paul George on the court. Like what? I mean, Mello's maybe even saying like, why did I jab step five billion times that game? Like why do? Why am I doing that? Like sometimes you just do things, you know, mm-hmm. especially out of years and years, like a decade of habits that have been formed. Sometimes you just do it, 
And Mello, I think, has been rather thoughtful um, and is really trying hard to make <laughs> this work, uh, which I think is really important for this team. And I think it's important for Russ and Paul George to see that too, because if a guy like Carmelo Anthony is willing to change, uh, and a lot of people are like, well, why would they, like, they look up to him. Like, why would they look up to him? They do. Like, they just do. Like, flat out. They they look up to him, and they look to him you know, as a leader of the team. And I think that if they see him evolving and changing and trying to change his game, you know, a guy who's headed to the Hall of Fame, uh, just as they are, but they look at they look to him and they see him evolving. I think that they're gonna they're gonna follow suit as well and try to do things that are right for this team. And if he's being coached by Billy, I think it makes you know Russ and Paul George easier coached by Billy as well. So I just I just want to give props to Mello for for what he's done in the past you know two weeks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Mello. I mean, this league. Um, the more I. I dig into that. In, into that, um, I think he is about. It is about respect. It is about what you achieved. It is about the status uh, as a player. And Melo has it. Um, Melo has been one of the best scorer in the league. Period. Um, historically, I mean, he is he's a respected player. I mean, Russ sometimes deferred to him. Russell Westbrook right. deferred to Carmelo Anthony, and he's just like that. So if, as you said, if he's if he's the one that says, I mean, I'm I'm adjusting, I'm just playing differently as the like looking at what the team needs, then you have it, you have it there. I mean, if Melo does it, then everyone feels like this team together is doing it. And so, I mean, um, it, it is really important. And Melo has played like probably the best basketball over the last ten days um, since he's since has come to OKC in the summer. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, let's preview the week. Uh, before we do that, I want to tell you about this place called the Press that is uh, near downtown Oklahoma City in the Plaza District. Uh, the Press is open for brunch, lunch, and dinner. Uh, some of their lunch items are so, so good. My favorite is their buffalo mac and cheese. Um, this incredible pasta, buffalo chicken strips, green onion, blue cheese with a ranch drizzle. And it's just absolutely incredible. Uh, they also have a really good veggie burger. So if you're somebody that's looking for a vegan option, um, in a, in a restaurant that's got, you know, all this stuff. Like, they have good options for you. This veggie burger is really, really good. Um, one of their owners says that that's his favorite item. on One of their, his favorite items on the menu is this veggie burger. So you can go get that. They also have an Indian taco, uh, which I love Indian tacos. They're so good. And then their chicken fried ribeye is just absolutely delicious. Comes with mashed potatoes, gravy, and green beans. Um, just like, it's like a chicken fried steak, basically. But, like... A really good quality chicken fried steak uh, that is absolutely delicious. So go check out the press today. You can go in the Plaza District. Go for brunch, lunch, or dinner. They also have two bars there. Uh, They've got some great drink selections. It's a cool place to hang out. You can watch Thunder Games there. You can take big groups there. It's a big restaurant. Um, So go take your family there. If you still have family in town and you guys are looking for something to do, Walk around the plaza and then going to eat at the press is a great option. So support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at the press. 
So, McKelly, this week the Thunder have three games. Mm-hmm. They're all at home, which is good because the Thunder play well at home. Uh, the, and it's a, it's a very interesting three games for them. So they play on the 27th. They play Toronto. On the 29th, they play Milwaukee. Uh, two teams that are relatively hot right now, especially Toronto. Like Toronto's playing really good basketball. Yeah. Uh, and Milwaukee is as well with Bledsoe in the lineup now. And then they play on the 31st. They play Dallas, um, so let's let's talk about Toronto. Like this is a this is a good basketball team. Oh, yeah, they have the best rookie of his class, right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gee, why are you not on the Thunder right now? <laughs> He'd look pretty yeah. good in a Thunder uniform, wouldn't he? Yeah. He would. I mean, he he could be like uh, well. Let's let's uh, let's not hold grief for that. But yeah, I mean, um, he would look uh, pretty um, pretty good in uh, in this OKC uniform, especially the good ones, the one that they had yesterday. Yeah. But I mean, like, give me the short shorts and that blue, and that dark blue uni. Like, hey, man, he's so good. I'm so mad. I'm still so mad. I'm going to be bitter maybe forever about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you're so miffed about that, just think that um, they drafted Perry Jones over Draymond Green. And, and there you have it. So, anyway, I mean, Toronto is good. Um, and finally, after it feels like 20 seasons, DeMar DeRozan is shooting trees. And we all, I mean, as a basketball fan, generally basketball fan, um, it's good to see him taking trees uh, in a confident way, at mm-hmm. least. And also, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Toronto because DeMar has been one of the nightmare matchups for Andre Robertson. For some reason, he's not as good as um, contesting uh, those shots or getting the better of the matchups with him. Because, I mean, DeMar is so physically talented and he can elevate so much with his jumper that even if Andre Robertson makes the right choice, I mean, he's, it's up to DeMar to hit that or miss it. And I think that I'm looking forward to see if Andre this season has found a way to take out some of the shots and to limit him on the court. Uh, because I think, I'm, I'm, I'm positive that he will probably guard the Rosen uh, to start the game. Uh, because um, Russ, Russ really doesn't like to, to, to be put on a, a tall guy like Anunobi. And so probably he will guard Lowry. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this specific matchup that last season was I mean, probably the worst uh, defensive game that Robertson played um, throughout his whole season. Yeah, it's it's hard to remember how good he is because he is so maligned by the national media. Uh, but he's like a, he's a very, very talented scorer, a really good basketball player. And now that he's shooting threes, um, it's I mean, it's it's big time for him. Uh Here's something kind of an interesting stat. He's 34% on the season, which is pretty good. Uh, he's made 33s so far this season. Last season, he made a total of 33 in yeah. 74 games. So that tells you the kind of, you know, he's not taking an incredible amount of threes, but just the fact that he's taking them and making them um, is really big for this Toronto team. Uh, and they've kind of changed their offense in the past year. Uh, it's more free flowing. It's more creative. It's it's a different Toronto team than we've seen in the past, 
where they're just calling set plays and things like that. They're not really doing that a whole lot anymore. So they're playing more creative basketball, uh, and they're a good defensive team, and they're a great offensive team. They've got really good, you know, DeMar and Kyle Lowry and Ibaka and Ernobi, and they've got their young guys, and, you know, Valanciunas is still pretty, <clears throat> he's still pretty young. Uh, DeLon Wright, you know, Siakam and Norm Powell and they, they've got a good group of young guys too that are coming up as the role players and it's kind of interesting how they've evolved because you just I don't know I mean I didn't think they would be better this season than they were last year because you know losing guys like Patrick Patterson who's now in the Thunder um, I thought man they're really going to take a step back uh, they've taken a big step forward um, mm-hmm. they've evolved offensively They've got a guy like C.J. Miles who can come in and take a ton of threes. Um, they're, a danger, they're a dangerous team, and the Thunder really are going to have to show up defensively um, and continue to hit their shots if they're going to want to win this one. Yeah, and if you see like the last five games of DeMar are incredible. Granted, they came against like below-average teams, but he's shooting 61% from three. Oh, over the last five games like uh, this is the line I mean uh, against Philadelphia on the 23rd 4 of 7 from 3 29 points against Philadelphia again on the 21st 6 from nine, of 9 from 3 45 points then nice. 28 points uh, against Charlotte 21 against Sacramento and 31 against Brooklyn he's spread out in Toronto he's playing like crazy over the last uh, five games again the schedule was easy uh, or at least manageable, but they have by far the best net rating of the league over the last five games at 16.9, if I recall correctly. I saw that before. And so, I mean, this is a good test because Toronto is not a fancy opponent. It's not Golden State. It's not Houston. It's not Cleveland. But they are good, as you said. And so if they show up, this is a very important sign. And they can show up and lose against Toronto because they get hot, and that is fine, but they have to show up. And and I think that having this game right after the Christmas one is probably the perfect uh, schedule for KC. Uh, because I, I, you want this team to be tested and tested all over the place. Then maybe the schedule will become easier uh, again, but... This is a, a good time for the year to test what you have. And so far, so good. But this week will be interesting uh, on that end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. They're in net rating, to your point, 16.9 in the last five games for Toronto. The number two team is your Oklahoma City Thunder at 12.9. So, we're talking <laughs> about the two best teams in net rating over the past five games meeting uh, in a couple of days, which I, or I guess tomorrow, Wednesday, which I, it's just kind of interesting. Um, Mostly meaningless because we don't usually just take the last five games, but the two hottest teams in the NBA right now, and I think they have, I think they have a six-game win streak. Thunder have five, so they're someone's win streak is going to end Wednesday, and I think it's an I think it's an important game for the Thunder. I think you can, I think we're really going to be able to see over these next three games. You know, have the Thunder turn a corner? Are they evolving? Are they, you know, get truly going to? You know, are we going to get this mellow? Are we going to get this rest? Uh, is Paul George going to continue to hit shots? I think um, we're going to see it over these next three games. They're they're really good tests. Uh, and then Milwaukee comes into town Friday night, and Milwaukee's really good. Like they we we know that they've got Giannis, who is just 
incredible. Uh, we've never, maybe never seen a player like him ever, uh, and maybe mm-hmm. never will. Uh, he's he's fantastic. They've got Eric Bledsoe now, who's just like a tank of a point guard. Like that dude is so good. Um, Chris Middleton, who's a really quality, like super role player. Uh, we've seen this team, you know, before. We the Thunder crushed them in Milwaukee. It feels like forever ago. That was on yeah. Halloween. Uh, that feels like like three teams ago <laughs> that, that the Thunder team was because they were starting to roll, and you're like, wow, like the Thunder team is going to be great, and then they like you know stumble and fall on their face like 20 times, and now they're at this point in the season again where they're playing really well, and they're going to head into this Milwaukee game at home. Uh, I think it's an important one for them to win, another confidence building win for them, um, you know, against you know a good Milwaukee team. Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee is physical. Milwaukee, um, the length that they can put on the floor is probably um, close to the one that the Thunder have when they when they put uh, Robertson, George, and Adams on the floor. Uh, and and so, I mean, going against Giannis, um, going against, uh, as you said, uh, a team that has Bledsoe as a point guard, which is a good match uh, for us. I mean, Bledsoe, if he's engaged defensively, he can be, like, not a lockdown defender, but at least a pesky defender uh, on Russell Westbrook. And... Going back to the game um, played on Halloween, I think that was the first game when we saw Robertson playing the, like defense at the highest level. I remember that he played one of the best defensive game um, against Antetokounmpo uh, that we saw in the early part of the season where Janis was incredible. Like he was unstoppable back then. He was averaged more than 35 points, something, something or around 35 points. It was crazy. And he faced Robertson and was by far the worst game of his, uh, of the season for him. And so I wonder if they go um, like with the same matchup uh, with Robertson on Antetokounmpo and George on Middleton or, uh, or Snell. <clears throat> because it's interesting to see how these two teams have evolved since then. Yeah. And I think that having Robertson on the best guy allows Paul George to kind of be who he's been this season and a guy that disrupts passing lanes and a guy that gets a ton of steals um, and has the most deflections in the NBA by far. I think Robertson really allows him to do that because he's not focused on the best defender or the best offensive player on the opposing team. Um, I think it's a good role for Paul. Uh, and it gets Great him, point. gets him in transition. It gets him easy looks. It kind of gets him going. Um and so a lot of people, it's easy to look at those numbers and think like, wow, like he's been incredible. Well, you know, Andre Robertson is almost like getting like, I don't even know how to say this, like assist deflections or whatever. Like, I don't even know how to put it. But Dre is like allowing him to be this just monster on that end. Like similar to how, you know, Clay Thompson um, and Durant allow Draymond Green to be like this like disrupting force you know, on the defensive end for Golden State. Um, you know, Dre's solid defense on the best players allows George to be that guy for OKC. Yeah, I mean, the, you nailed that perfectly. I mean, having two great defender, great defenders um, on the wing is such a luxury, luxury because you can, you can, 
you can exploit a lot of a lot of stuff and your best you probably the best uh, passing lane defender in George can be actually in the passing lane because he's not guarding the the, the guy with the ball in his hand mm-hmm. in a sense so it's it's really um, a good point to make and I think that I mean, um, another uh, comp, this is not like role-based, but similar to the, uh, the one that you said. I remember watching uh, OKC with uh, Perkins, Cephalosha, and Ibaka. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ibaka got a lot of credit for blocks and stuff. But if you look carefully how many times both Tabo and Perk were basically driving guys in Ibaka's hand, like in his Ibaka space, it was so easy for him to block them well not so easy but it was easier for him to block them because they made a lot of work by by pushing the offense towards him and having Robertson that does like all the the, uh, the like the hard work well part of the hard work on the best guy allows George to be much more effective yeah without a doubt and and to, to give a stats before uh, before we change subject, I mean George Robertson and Adams together on the floor allows ninety five point four point per possessions. <laughs> like, that's absurd. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, guess the percentage of uh, from three because it's astonishing. Thirty two, thirty point nine. Wow. Yeah, that is crazy. It is. According to NBA Huawei, uh, I think the numbers on the NBA.com will um, confirm that. But 95.4 with an effective field goal of 48.5, it's, it's, it's nonsense. I mean, it's, it's something very special. Granted, on 800 possession, it's still not an, a huge sample size, but still it's good. It's a good sample size to have. And it means that those three guys are really premier defenders. And one of them is not yet on his prime. So, right. I mean. So here's an angle that I don't think I've heard yet. What if the Thunder end up being the best defensive team in the NBA by season's end and Paul George wins the defensive player of the year? The Thunder are the four seed. They get, even if they go out in the second round. I just wonder if like that is something that that Paul like being like a Scottie Pippen, you know, type player where he's like wins the defensive player of the year is like recognized as like the best perimeter defender in the NBA. You know, even if Dre, you know, Dre's helping him out a lot. I just wonder if like, that's something that would, he'd be like, like, wow, like I'm, I've never been that successful, you know, in this area of my game. And like, this might be a place where I can really stay. And, you know, I can, you know, get these, you know, rack up all these defensive, you know, defensive player of the year or whatever. I just wonder if like, that's like an angle where he could stay in OKC. Um, Cause I do think it's not impossible. Cause I think when people are looking for the defensive player of the year, they look at the top, you know, five teams in defense, which the thunder will make that. And they look at like, who's the, who's the guy that's been most impactful. And then I think if you go to the stats, which I think a lot of these national guys have to do because like, you can't watch every game. Like it's just impossible. You're going to be like, what? Like, Paul George leads the league in deflections? You know, he's one of the best guys in steals. And, you know, look at, and then you can look up that lineup data and you're like, whoa, what are the Thunder? Look at the Thunder doing with Paul George on the court defensively. Uh, I just think that he will eventually start getting some buzz for that. And it's not impossible that he wins it. 
I just think it. I think it's an, an interesting angle for OKC to to allow him to be this guy and to possibly be a defensive player of the year type guy. Um, you know who will ruin all of this? <laughs> Kevin. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's going to win it. I think that's right. I mean, and to be completely honest, if he wins it. If KD wins it, mm-hmm. I cannot say he's not deserving it. Sure. Like, yeah. I I wish I could disagree. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. in my heart and my soul, I wish I could disagree. <laughs> no, man, you can. You, you really can. I mean, I, I'm not saying he has been, like, uh, in another league compared to Paul George. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah. he's getting... He will probably not win the MVP this season because, I mean, he's not the front runner, front runner by any means. And I feel like, like the, the narrative nationally can be rightfully so that he is the key of Golden State's defense this season because he's doing like a lot of stuff. He's and so blocks, I, yeah, all that. Like he, he's, he is impressive. But I think that Paul George doing also. Uh, looking at Kawhi's uh, weird season, I think that Paul George has a legit shot to be on the first uh, defensive unit. Yeah, um, and also under, to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. especially if the Thunder ends up being the best team in the league defensively, maybe with a this decent margin margin on the second, which is hard to do, very hard to do. They have to commit. Uh, like uh, for the rest of the season, uh, I think that this can be something that Paul George looks at as, as well. Maybe since like the defense was not the part uh, that I expect to be that great, and we have margin on offense, I can give it another shot. Maybe just one year to see how it goes. Let's finish up with uh, Melo's contract and let's give it another try. And then maybe next year, uh, like the Lakers can offload um, Luol Deng's contracts and they have space and I can get there anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, it's not stupid or wrong to think, to think that Paul George will value these things. And because, I mean, defense is what winnings you uh, playoff games. Um, and you have to have a competent offense, but th- this team is special on defense, and I'm sure that Paul George takes great pride out of that. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And he talks about that a lot. That he's when the shot isn't falling, you know, he prides himself on the defensive end. And part of the reason OKC brought him in was because uh, he is a great defender. And yeah, that's true. I think the Thunder <laughs> would like him to be a lot better offensively. Um, but the re- the reason that this Thunder team is a top three defensive team is because they do have that just crazy combination of length and athleticism with he and Andre. Um, and then they have Steven, um, who is a great kind of floor general as a defender and really directs traffic. And he, he's just, he's just so good. Uh, let's go to our last game of the week. They play the Mavericks on Sunday here in town so the thunder have three games three game homestand uh and a chance to extend their win streak uh, this dallas team is not good mckelly but they've beaten good teams they've they've beaten uh san antonio recently they obviously they beat the thunder in that game on the road which was one of the low points of the season for okc um but overall this is not a great team they're 19th in defense uh, let's see where they are in offense. 24th in offense. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is just, it's not a good basketball team. They've got some players that can get hot, though, as we know. Uh, they still have Dirk. They've got Harrison Barnes. They've got um, they've got some solid players, but this is not a good team. This should be, the Thunder need to, it would be a good time for them to, to roll this team kind of like they did uh, Utah last Wednesday. Um both helping in their net rating and just helping in their confidence in general to smash a team that beat them earlier um, this season, I think would be a good thing for them. Yeah, I mean, they can really go out and say, well, let's take back what we um, what we left in Dallas. Um, I mean, Dallas will face a hard week. I mean, they, they will go against Toronto. Which will be in back to back in OKC. I just realized that, um, and um, yeah, so they they have they will face great teams, uh, and as you said, I mean they they can get out, uh, but I mean if you look at the teams like the, the the players that they have to play, like Max Kleber is a, an okay player uh, in Europe, uh, maybe a good a good player in Europe. He can be a good rotation guy in a like. Mm, in a team that doesn't doesn't want to go in the postseason, and they are they are starting him. Um, that said, he will probably score fifty points against OKC. But I mean, <laughs> if 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 you're the Thunder, I mean, you really have to take care of those games uh, yeah. better than you did against Atlanta uh, last week, um, because I mean, in that game, I mean, yes, Bellinelli went off, but Bellinelli went off. Uh, and so, if you are under Robertson and you and you are Paul George and you want to be recognized as a premier defender, just go out and don't let Harrison Barnes touch the ball ever. Like, right. go out and say, "Well, now we will beat." In the same way as they did against Utah, Utah is hurt; is coming off a, a, a weak streak. We will go out and kill them. Yes, and you just have to do this. No matter how the, these two games goes against Milwaukee and Toronto, you just focus and say, "Well, we have to kill this team. We can kill this team, so we do it." You go out and you, you, you. you I mean, you don't allow them to score. You keep them under eighty points. That is what you should do if you if you want to. Uh, I mean, if you want to build confidence for yourself, not much as like uh, being talked in the media. I think I don't think they care, but just to say, well, I mean, we want to do that and we do it. We actually do it. And against bad teams, this has to be your your mood coming into the game. Just going with your killer instinct and like prove everyone, uh, and especially yourself, that if you want to win a game by thirty against a bad team, you do it. Right. Yeah, play defense like you did last night against the Rockets. And even if you don't shoot 55% from the field, you should hammer this team. Like you, yeah. should, you can shut down Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews and Yogi Ferrell and Dennis Smith and Dirk. Like You can shut those guys down. Like So let's, let's see you do it. And let's see you not give them quality shots. Let's see you make you know their offense really work. And I think you know they've only won nine games this season. You know, the Thunder should be able to hammer them. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they're going to do what they did, you know, against Atlanta. And, and I said I was talking to Brett Dawson the other night. I, I think that nine times out of ten, that's a blowout. You know, Bellinelli and Ilyasova don't hit those crazy shots nine times out of ten. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. 
So I don't think the Thunder were awful in that game. I think it's easy to look at the numbers and look at you know, they had to win on a game-winning shot to beat Atlanta without Dennis Schroeder. Like they're a terrible team. Like no, like like I said earlier, like these like Bellinelli can get hot. You know, Ellie Sofa can get hot, and they did. You know, maybe like one of like five games that that happens this whole season. <laughs> uh, but it just happened to happen against the Thunder. I don't, you know, that. That shot Ilyasova made in the corner was just oh that that was stupid, real <laughs> like that shot. That's a ten percenter. Like that shot doesn't go in very often. Yeah. Um, but anyways, this it, it's it's an important week for the Thunder. I don't expect them to win all three games, but if they can win two out of three, like that's that's great for them. And they're still you know they're making up ground on Minnesota, uh, and I. You know, I I expect them to you know here in a couple of weeks to be you know looking at Minnesota and, and you know maybe even you know have that four seed or tie them up. I just I just think the Thunder team is is ready to go on a roll here um, and play good basketball. And they've got they still have winnable games out in front of them. You know these you know Milwaukee Toronto are going to be tough, and I don't expect them to win both. But if they can win one of them and then kind of roll into you know they have a back-to-back in L.A. where they play the Lakers and the Clippers, if they can roll into L.A. and play good basketball and get those get those two wins, I, I don't know. I just think the Thunder are, are in a good position to to play great basketball here in the second half and you know give Presti a chance to really see what this team needs before the trade deadline um, and maybe make a deal for, for a role guy or something like that that they can bring in to solidify their team for you know, April and a good good playoff run. Yeah, I mean, that is crucial. Uh, as you said, I mean, moving the right part of this team, uh, the right piece on this team, and getting what you need is, um, is so important. I mean, they can probably, they, they have um, talent enough uh, on this roster. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter to find the perfect um, mesh of talent for this roster. And I think that if you can get a wing uh, that is solid wing, not not a, like a superstar. I was thinking um, about Dudley, for example, which is a sort of a weird wing to have. Mm-hmm. But play, maybe maybe it's not like the, the right name uh, to mention here because you, you, you probably you need like someone that can reliably uh, be your uh, three guy, um, if that makes sense in modern basketball. Yeah. But something like that, like a, an established um, veteran that can play solid minutes. Uh, uh, it's proven to it's proven to play proven to play good minutes um, in difficult games. Yeah, without it, like he would be great. Like he's a guy that you can trust to play. You know, twenty minutes in a playoff game, or at least twenty minutes through the regular season. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Thunder. They just. I feel like they just need one more guy. Like if they can mm-hmm. just get one more guy. I feel like I'd feel more confident in them being a team that can get to the conference finals and you know, push Golden State. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that maybe here in the in the coming weeks we can both do some more research and figure out, you know, who are the guys on bad teams that can be had for little to nothing, or who are guys that could even be buyout candidates. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think the Suns would buy out Jared Dudley, but I think if Jared Dudley asked, I think they would. And who knows, oh, yeah. like, if he or Tyson Chandler or somebody like that, like, if they just ask, you know, when they get to the trade deadline or pass the trade deadline, if they're both still there, say, like, hey, listen, like, I 
I'm getting older and I would love to just, you know, make a playoff run with somebody. I think that those are guys that would be really helpful to this team. Um, and the Thunder, and keep in mind the Thunder, the, we have the trade deadline, but we also have the buyout season. The, the mm-hmm. Thunder have an open roster spot and they don't have a ton of money that they can spend, you know, like Boston can. I think Boston will end up getting the best player um, because they can spend a ton of money on a on a guy that becomes a free agent. But the Thunder are going to have their pick of somebody out there, and they're saving that spot for somebody. Um, so if they don't make a big trade deadline deal, then I expect them to add somebody that will that will help come playoff time um, in the buyout market. But you just never know who that's going to be. Or, But it's always going to be usually, typically from a bad team like the Suns who have quality vets that are kind of wasting away for them. Um, so it's just it's just really interesting. Greg Monroe, another guy that's kind of interesting. I don't think he's great for the Thunder, but you know, mm-hmm. for a team like the Celtics, like that's a really interesting player. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, anything else, McKelly? No, I think we. Oh yes, there is the streak of Eustis is <laughs> still on. <laughs> yes, that's right. I almost forgot. Yeah, ten games where he plays more than ten minutes, uh, within sixteen minutes, the Thunder are. 10 and 0 on those games. Yep. Of course, this is a reliable and thoughtful stats that you really uh, can take as uh, your, your the best stats you can get. <laughs> so, let's say this way. So if, <laughs> if they want to win against Toronto and Milwaukee, all they have to do is play Josh Houston 16 or exactly. more minutes. Exactly. That is, that is absolutely my point. <laughs> all you have to do. You don't have to worry about anything else. Just play Justice. Don't, don't even prepare the game. Just just go there and say, "Well, let's play Josh," uh, and, and everything will figure out by itself. Exactly right. Oh, I love Josh. Uh, thanks for yeah. listening to Down to Dunk. You can follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Berra. M I K Y B E R A. Great follow on Twitter. If you're not following him, I don't know what you're doing. So follow him on Twitter. <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. Support. Uh, the press and Andy's and give Grady a call if you're in some need of real estate help. Uh, we will talk to you guys again Friday. We're just going to do this one big long mega pod today for your midweek pod and then we'll be back Friday with your regular fry pod. Uh, we appreciate those who came out to Anthem Brewing uh, last Saturday uh, for Festivus. It was super fun. Uh, it was good to meet some of you guys. Uh, we hope you guys have a great week if you're still with family and stuff like that uh, enjoy that time uh, and those that are getting back to work I hope that these podcasts help get you through the week um, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday